again, I want to thank uh, the Messiah College Gospel Choir for, for being here today. This has been a true blessing. And I get to hear it another service, so uh, eat your heart out. I'm reading from uh, two passages of Scripture today. One is 2 Corinthians, I mean, one is Ephesians chapter 4, verses 22 through 24, and one is Romans 12, chapter, verses 1 and 2. I'm continuing the series on the Holy Spirit. And I want to talk in more in depth today about what the Spirit has done and is doing in us as believers. And so starting with Ephesians 4, is that what we've got up there? All right. It says, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. And then in Romans 12, 1 and 2, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Several, about a month ago, I started on this series, and, I, and, and, and some of the points I made is, are this. At the moment of conversion, when a person by faith accepts Jesus Christ's offer to save them, something wonderful happens. The Holy Spirit takes up residence in us. Our souls become his sanctuary. Our hearts become his home. The presence of God comes in and dwells at the core of our being. This is true for every believer. And from this truth, the truth that if God lives in us, two incredible changes occur in every believer. Here's the first. The first is that we become spiritually alive. The biblical term for this is regeneration. That means something that was dead comes back to life. And up to, that point of conver up to the point of conversion, people, spiritually speaking, are dead. We have a spirit, but it is non-functional in terms of God. Probably the best analogy I can think of, that of is that of a quadriplegic, a person paralyzed due to injury from the neck down. Quadriplegics have bodies, and those bodies have a certain degree of life in them. But they're, 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 these bodies do not function like they're supposed to. They can't move. They can't feel pleasure or pain or heat or cold. They can't interact with their physical environment the way they were designed by God. They have extremely limited function. To some degree, when it com comes to sens sensation, physical sensation, they are dead. When it comes to movement, they are dead. In the same way, our spirits, prior to the Holy Spirit touching them and making them, regenerating them, we, our spirits, were dead to God. We could not interact with God. We could not sense spiritual realities with God. But after regeneration, our spirits were made alive in Christ. And now, because of that, we can feel God. We can feel his presence. We can feel when he is moving, when he is touching, when he is nudging, when he is loving. We can begin to walk in the spirit and to move in the realm of the unseen. Before we could not do it. We were dead, but well, now we are alive. Hallelujah. Amen. 
with a regenerated, alive spirit, prayer becomes more than a monologue. We can actually sense God's still, small voice, His Spirit praying in us and through us. With regenerated, alive spirit, worship becomes more than ritual. It becomes a dance of joy and love between God and the deepest recesses of our heart. We sang about it this morning. Something is welling up within me. That is, you, some, you become alive again. And for the first time, I can know, really know God. That's what it means to be regenerated. Something that was dead now lives. My spirit now lives. Now the second change that happens is this. Not only in my, is my spirit made alive, it has been made good. My spirit before re re regeneration was full of anti-God energy. It was drawn to sin. It was addicted to sin. It couldn't help but sin. But after regeneration, I now only, I not only can know God, the deepest part of me wants to know God. Before, my automatic reaction was avoidance of the real God. Now, because my spirit has been fundamentally reoriented, I want to, not have to, please God. I want to, not have to, serve Jesus. The deepest part of me loves Jesus in a way that was not possible before the Holy Spirit moved in and regenerated my spirit. Why do I love God this way? First, because the Holy Spirit conveys to my heart how much Jesus loves me. Grace becomes moves from a concept to a reality. I feel his love, and it makes me want to love him back. In fact, the Holy Spirit, as Paul says in Galatians 4, it says that the Spirit prays through us, crying, Abba, Father. Right now, in the middle of my heart, God is asking me to join with him in prayer to say, Daddy, After conversion, the Holy Spirit regenerated us. Doing God, and now doing God's will becomes, get this, doing God's will becomes natural for us. My fundamental nature has been changed. I am a new creature. I am a new creation. When we become Christians, sin's power is broken. I am no longer a slave to it. I don't have to be dominated by all those ugly, selfish, self-destructive urges anymore. I don't have to cave into the world's temptations. I am no longer a puppet on a string. After conversion, I am free, really free for the first time in my life. Before I had to sin, now I don't have to. Sin and selfishness are no longer the essence of my spiritual nature. They have been replaced by the nature of God at the deepest levels of my being. Isn't that what Paul said in Ephesians that I just read this morning? Let me read it to you again. Put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and put on the new self. And what is the new self like? Created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You got a new self. And that new self, he tells us to put it on. Accept that there's a new self there. Let out what God has put in. Work out your salvation for it is God who's already worked in you. Hallelujah. I have been given a new self. Now please hear me on this. I'm not saying we can be perfect. 
There are three biblical reasons why we can never be perfect. The writer John tells us they are called the world, the flesh, and the devil. Now, if the devil could sabotage perfect beings living in a perfect environment named Adam and Eve, don't think he cannot trip you up. If he can mess up Eden, he can mess you and me up, baby. And the world, the world has never been more seductive than it is now. It has never been more tempting than it is now. It has never been more evil than it is. And we now, with technology, are bombarded by it all the time. You cannot escape its influence. And the flesh, again, we never leave the flesh this side of heaven. And by flesh, I do not mean skin and bones and nerves. That's not what the Bible means primarily by flesh. What the Bible means by flesh is the fallen nature. Even after you are saved, even after you are giving a new nature, the old nature, the fallen nature, never dis disappears. It never goes away this side of heaven. Like I said earlier, because of these three things, we can never be perfect. As John later says, if anyone says they don't sin, they are a liar and the truth is not in them. Nevertheless, and here's the good news. In the deepest levels of my being as a Christian, I am now free. I am now good. I am now new. I am now different. Why do I know that? How do I know that? The Word of God tells me that's what happened. When I became a Christian, my weight didn't change. When I became a Christian, I didn't get better looking. At that point in time, it wasn't possible. When I became a Christian, I didn't know. I didn't know how to play the piano, and after I became a Christian, I didn't suddenly know how to play the piano. When I became a Christian, my IQ did not go up, and my life did not get automatically easier. And here is the important part, which brings us to Romans 12. Even after I became a Christian, much if not most of my thinking didn't change all at once either. Which is why Paul tells us we must renew our minds so that we are not conformed to the world. Isn't that what he says? Let me read it again. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you can do the will of God. Pleasing and perfect will of God. That means, you know, I, well, let, let me back up here. Let me back up here. Most Christians do not know who they are. And ignorance is deadly in the spiritual life. What we have to do, what Paul is telling us, to put it in modern terms, is we have to reprogram our thinking. We have to reboot. I'm sorry if I'm being too technical for some of you people. Try to keep up. <laughs> That's why the Word is so important. It is the own, owner's manual. It tells us how God works. It tells us how we work. It tells us how we work together with the Spirit. It tells us how to reprogram our minds. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Did you notice Paul didn't say, don't be transformed by the renewing of your spirit. Why? Your spirit's already been renewed. You have a new self. 
But your mind has got to catch up. Your brain must catch up with what God has already done and what he is doing and what the Spirit has made me and what my new nature is and what my new abilities are. When you get saved, a whole lot more happens to you than you realize. You've got to catch up. A lot of people have new natures, but they still operate with old brains. A lot of people are inhabited by the Spirit, but they do not have a clue how to walk with the Spirit. There are people who are recreated by the Spirit who still walk in the flesh all the time. They need their minds renewed. Our deepest identity is no longer found in the flesh. Our deepest identity is no longer found in the natural. Can the flesh be addicted to something? Of course it can. We can be addicted to anything. It's not just heroin and cocaine and alcohol and porn. You can get addicted to drugs. You, I mean, you can get addicted to control. And you can get addicted to food. You can get addicted to TV. You can get addicted to anything. Except apparently church. Now, other than that, people... <laughs> and are these addictions powerful? Oh, yes, they're powerful. And will they be with us probably for a lifetime? Oh, yes, they probably will. But addiction is never our deepest identity. It is the identity of the flesh. And I can be addicted to things in the flesh. But in Christ, I am not addicted to anything. That doesn't mean the flesh goes away. It is real. It is powerful. But with the power of Christ... With the power of the Spirit indwelling me, with the new nature He has given me, and with help from other believers, addiction can be overcome. The flesh is not eliminated, but it can be overcome. Let me ask you, when a plane flies, does gravity stop? No, it doesn't stop. A plane does not go up because somebody shuts off gravity. I'll tell you why a plane, plane flies. It flies because not because gravity is eliminated, but because gravity is overcome. Gravity is not gone. The plane flies because something more powerful than gravity is at work. I've got good news for you today, brothers and sisters. Gravity's not going away, but you can fly anyway. Hallelujah. How? Oh, oh listen. Listen, you can overcome the gravity of sin. You can overcome the gravity of, of the flesh. You can overcome the gravity of the world. But you've got to hear this. It doesn't matter if you can fly if you don't know you have wings. The wings of a new nature. It doesn't matter if you can fly if you don't know you have a powerful engine powerful enough to propel you upward despite gravity called the Holy Spirit inside. It doesn't matter if you can fly if you never read the owner's manual to tell you how the plane works and how to work the controls. But you can fly, brothers and sisters. And you know why? It's in your spiritual DNA. Hallelujah. It's like chocolate to a Dalton. You know, when I... This is how we test. This is how I tested to see if all my sons were mine. I, when they were all about two years old, I put down a plate of chocolate pie, and I said, "Let's see the reaction." And they they would take their first bite, and all three went. Their, their look was like, "Where have you been all my life?" 
And then they just went, and some of them even grabbed the plate and went, and I said, that's a Dalton. My wife has been faithful. Hallelujah. (laughs) Why? Because chocolate is in our DNA. And I want to tell you, righteousness and holiness is in the DNA of every believer here today. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I got a, never mind, I got a chocolate pie. I, this sermon's got, I got to hurry with this sermon. <laughs> it's one's at home waiting on me. Let me ask every one of you here this morning. Has your mind been renewed? Has it caught up with who you are? Has it? How do you transform your mind? By understanding how you've already been transformed and given a new nature and a new spirit. That begins, that's not the end of the transformation of your mind, but that is the beginning of the transformation of your mind. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord for this. That means, in terms of our deepest identity, and every believer, you need to hear this, it means you are no longer a sinner. Do you sin? Yes. But it is no longer your essential nature anymore. You are a child of God whose deepest desires are to do good. I am, and you are, as believers in Jesus Christ, holy people. A saint. In fact, Paul calls every Christian a saint. And I used to say, oh, that's really nice of Paul You know, he's trying to make us all feel good. We're really sinners, but he's trying to encourage us to heaven. No, Paul really believes we're all saints. Different. I am Saint Woody. Now, I prefer your majesty, but you can call me Saint Woody. We have Saint Patrick here. We have Saint Teresa of Harrisburg here. We have Saint Louis here. I was transformed when the Holy Spirit came into my life and transformed my soul into a person who didn't exist before. That's how important salvation is. Now, being a good person isn't something we strive to do. It's something we are. Please hear this. It's not what you do as a Christian that determines who you are. It's who you are that determines what you do. And you are. You are not going to be. Not if you work hard at it enough. You are by nature now a saint. You are like God. You have been transformed to be like God in righteousness and holiness. Hallelujah. We are new creations. All things have passed away. I love what Neil Anderson says in his book, The Bondage Breaker. He says this, Understanding your identity in Christ is absolutely essential to your success at living the Christian life. No person can consistently behave in a way that's inconsistent with the way he perceives himself. If you think you're a no-good bum, you're probably going to live like a no-good bum. But if you see yourself as a child of God, who is spiritually alive in Christ, you'll begin to live in victory and freedom as Jesus lived. 
next to a knowledge of God, a knowledge of who you are now in Christ, is by far the most important truth you can possess. Did you hear that? Next to a knowledge of God, the knowledge of who you are in Christ is the most important information you can have. A battle rages often inside of us between good and evil. But we must realize the warfare is between the real person we have become in Christ and remnants of the old person we were. The real us is different. You might not feel like it, but if you're a real Christian, the real you is different. The real us is new and free. The real us loves Jesus and wants to please Him. Did you know that? Your deepest longings. Please get this. Your deepest, if you can get beyond your superficial, your incorrect thinking, and your superficial uh, feelings that are on the surface, and get to the deepest core of who you are. The deepest core of who you are loves Jesus and wants to please Him. That's already in you if you're a believer. The real us is kind and patient and giving. The real us is selfish, unselfish and caring. The real us is holy like Jesus was holy. The real us is a child of God, a new creation. Now I know what some of you may be saying this morning. You're going, I'm struggling with bitterness. That doesn't feel new to me. I've done that all my life. But I want you to know, if you really are a Christian, your deepest nature is the opposite of that. Some of you may be struggling with fear this morning. But I want you to know, if you can get to the deepest core of where you are, the spiritual core, the new nature, if you can get to that, you are grounded in peace. Some of you may be struggling with lust this morning. I want you to know that the core of who you are is good and is holy. Some of you may be struggling with greed, but I want you to know that at the core of who you are, you are a generous person like God is generous and like your son is generous. This is what you need to know to lead a victorious life. And that, my friends, is part of the good news too. Not just that we've been saved by Jesus. Not just that we've been forgiven for our sins. But part of God's grace is that we have been changed forever by the Spirit. We are new creatures with a new nature. Hallelujah! Renew your minds, Paul says. Understand what the will of God is. Understand what God has already done, what already has happened, what already is yours. Know who you really are. Then go out and be who you really are. Amen? Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. That's pretty good preaching if I say so myself. <laughs> it may not have blessed you, but I'm real happy right now. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And I'm humble too. Now, I'd like... Messiah, uh, the, the gospel choir to come back. Again, the altar is open. If you don't know the life I'm talking about, let me extend the invitation to you to please meet Jesus and let enter into new realities. Let me invite you to do that.
There are people in this prayer room over here that will, that will talk with you and pray with you. I, I'd like the intercessors to come forward. We will pray with people while the gospel choir sings. And again, we will pray for you about anything. But I want, I, I want you, I, you know, uh, David said, I meditate on your word day and night. I want you to meditate on this. I want you to let this soak in. I want you to let your mind be renewed with this truth this week, okay? Now, will you stand? We're going to sing and worship with a song or two here at the end and then have the benediction. And the altar is open if the intercessors will come forward.